Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Illustration Department Podcast. My name is Giuseppe Castellano. In this podcast, I talk to folks in illustration, graphic design, publishing, animation, and other creative fields about their beginnings, their successes, and the bumps and bruises they've experienced along the way. In this episode, my guest is Ren Rennick, CEO of the Association of Illustrators. Illustrators are small businesses. They negotiate with clients, market services, manage invoices, and more. It's challenging, so it's good to know that folks like Ren are here to help. Among other topics, Ren and I talk about how illustrators can gain, or in some cases, reclaim good mental health. We discuss how illustrators can confidently navigate the business end of illustration, and Ren explains why now is the moment for visual creators. I hope you enjoy our conversation. get going before those kids uh show up how many, <laughs> how, how many how many kids do you have i've got two i've got a nine-year-old and a six-year-old mm-hmm. and we are um i don't know whether you follow the news but i'm just waiting for a school bubble to close and have them back for homeschooling again it's um we're on a knife edge in what way just well, just there's, you know, schools are closing left, right, and centre because there are so many COVID cases, and we the whole class has to isolate. Right. Um, so it's it's a bit nervous making. But how about you? How how many small children do you have? Three. They're a oh, little fantastic. older than yours. Yeah, Thir- thirteen, ten, and ten. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, we're not, fun age. Yeah, it definitely is a fun age. Like from my perspective, what's COVID? It just seems like everything is kind of weirdly, surreally, scarily back to normal. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, the kids have been going to school full time as if, you know, like yeah. like the old days, you know, masks yeah. and stuff. But uh, now they're on vacation. So but, they're here destroying the house on a daily basis. Excellent. Excellent. Just yeah. what you want. That's marvelous. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know. I, I when they were going to school in the mornings, the routine was I would wake up first at six thirty. I'd, you know, get people mm. up and start making breakfast and start making lunch and getting people to their buses and all that sort of yeah. stuff. And it was always like, oh god, there's a lot to do in the morning. But then once they were all gone, <laughs> then I could walk around my house, tidy up, and then yes. things stayed tidy. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite novel. (laughs) Yeah, I know. But now it's the reverse. So in the morning, I'm enjoying a nice, easy morning because I don't really have to do anything. But then once everyone wakes up, it's, you know, I mean, we were just on vacation a few days ago. And upon our return, within minutes, minutes, I was required, (laughs) my attention was required on, on two different fronts because two of the three children made messes that absolutely needed my immediate attention <laughs> yeah. oh it is um but it's a joy i'm uh, sure oh 100 you know. yeah so yeah where did you grow up so i grew up in london actually um where i've just we moved away from london about two years ago but otherwise i was london born and bred wow really how was that well, it's, it seemed really normal until <laughs> until I realised it wasn't very normal. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, since then, I've I've 
lived in Australia and I've lived in lots of different countries and it's um I love London. I come back to it and, and really love it. And the, the AOI is based in the centre of London in the most beautiful building, Somerset House. Um, but now I've moved out of London, I do I come into it and I see it afresh and I see it with those eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's just a joy. It just inspires you, doesn't it? It's got an energy and a yeah. kind of gravitas that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was in, I'm not from New York, but I did live in New York for 20 years. And... I'm glad yeah. to not be there and I'm glad to be living in the woods. But uh, my wife actually returned to the office briefly yesterday and the office is now in Philadelphia. It's not New York, mm. but it is city. And she came back and was like, oh man, you won't believe how great it felt just to walk around yeah. and see people and there's sidewalks and noises and just, it's a, uh, it's definitely a different kind it's of energy. Energizing. For sure. Yeah. 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 It is exactly that. Yeah. When did you first discover the existence of illustrators? Well, that's a very good question, isn't it? And I suppose I discovered them without realizing that I discovered them like so many of us when we were reading pictures books as children. And mm-hmm. it was the illustrations that navigated us into, or navigated me into literacy. Um, and making sense of the world. In terms of a career, I came to it really late, and my background and training isn't in illustration, it's in theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've kind of worked in various bits of the creative industries, and I've focused all my work on kind of empowering and, and finding ways of enabling creativity. And I started at the AOI about five years ago and really until that point I wasn't aware of the sophistication and breadth of the industry and it's it's this total privilege and joy to be able to be part of it and and support it and amplify it yeah well you've been the CEO of the Association of Illustrations since 2015 is that right yes that is yeah I suspect you juggle (laughs) many responsibilities but what would you say is your primary objective as CEO? My primary objective is to support illustrators to have the best career that they are able to. Um, it is all about the membership and it's all about supporting the illustrators and the illustration industry. Mm-hmm. And that, that in practical terms means lots of different things. Um, it can mean giving people confidence and information so that they can navigate that business side of the the illustration industry it can mean working to ensure that terms and fees are fair um, and without those kind of foundations the, the fair terms and fair fees we're never going to have this equitable and diverse thriving industry um, and it can mean working with my team to help them do the best that they can possibly do in order to support the membership. You know, a lot has happened. I don't have to tell you this since 2015, (laughs) a year after you joined AOI, 51.9% of UK voters chose to leave the EU on January 31st, 2020 Brexit took effect on the very same day. I recently learned while doing research for this on the very same day that Brexit took effect, the UK reported its first case of COVID. 
<laughs> How have you and your team managed to navigate these rough waters? Look, it's been an extraordinary time, hasn't it? It's been extraordinary for all of us. Um, and they're two pretty seismic events that impacted us in really different ways. So Brexit, um, I find really depressing. <laughs> the impact. I don't mean, I don't mean to laugh. I don't know why I laughed at that, but yeah. <laughs> the impact on illustration hasn't hasn't been severe. Um, we haven't been impacted in the way that other creative industries have, um, which is fantastic. It's not clear what the fallout will be, though. And I think that's where we'll begin to see the changes. And that will happen over time. And it will it, it will be a bit frustrating because it won't be pinned on Brexit, is my hunch. The pandemic was very different. And again, there's kind of two ways of looking at it. The first was looking after my team and we had to in the space of a week really um because our government's very bad at making swift decisions if you'll remember from the beginning of the pandemic mm -hmm. we had to pivot to working at home and setting up a home working network and also looking after staff who were sick and looking after the well-being of the staff it was a for us all of course an incredibly anxious making time with a huge conflation of your personal and your professional life which I found really hard because suddenly I was um, a mum and a CEO and a wife and trying to get the laundry out of the washing machine and find some food to feed people all <laughs> in one go and it was all mixed up together yeah yeah but after a while that became um it became very humanizing, you know, along with that fact that you kept on having meetings with people in their bedroom. Mm -hmm. It was very odd. Suddenly, oh, you, would, you know, quite. gone was the coffee shop and you were suddenly doing Zoom meetings in their home. And there was something that changed a bit of a dynamic in the way that you could have conversations because you couldn't be, you, you know, you couldn't perform your professional self as you normally would, mm -hmm. um, which I ended up quite enjoying. But the impact on the illustrators we were keenly aware of what illustrators were going to need through this time. So we did change our service quite a lot. And we really focused on the need to connect illustrators and for illustrators just to have that moment, you know, like, like me, yeah. to remember that they were illustrators mm -hmm. and also, you know, parents, partners, whatever they were so. navigating this pandemic. Um, so trying to put together a series of spotlights, a series of online networking opportunities to keep people connected as an industry was really important. And we also um, did some work around mental health, which had been kind of brewing for a while. But yeah. we released a really well-received resource around mental health, specifically for creative freelancers. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of resources and advice um but none of it is targeted for creative freelancers. And there's a very specific area that needs to be addressed, which our resource does. And we made that freely available. We pulled together, again, all the bonkers information about COVID into one place that people could trust and go to and begin to navigate um, what they needed to. And of course, we spoke to government and really clearly explained the impact that COVID was happening on freelancers. Now, in the UK, the government's response um, was okay. It was something they, they responded, but they didn't respond successfully. So we continued to, you know, 
explain why it wasn't working and where it was falling down. And some some changes were made, which was great. Um, but that that sense of creating a network, but also amplifying the voice of our community is really important and was really important through COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of squishing your personal and professional lives, I, I just have so many memories of me sitting at a dining room table, chatting with an illustrator. Meanwhile, mm. the other three or four seats were filled by family members doing their homework or having lunch <laughs> or playing with Legos or something. And I'm just, you know, kind of like gesturing to them going, you know, shh, don't say anything. Just play quietly. I'm on a talk. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it was, I mean, heck just today, today I held in one hand a pair of dirty socks and on the other hand, my phone. And I was checking emails for work and I went to the washing machine and I threw my phone in the washing machine, not the socks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been a, it's been a heck of a time. Um, when you announced the overall winners of the world illustration awards for 2020, you said that illustrators are quote COVID secure, which I found made me smile. I like it. It's, it's, it's yeah, part of it. That was a kind of joke. Yeah. But it's like part, it's, it's, it's part, it's one part. It's one part of illustration that I absolutely find so inspiring. They're the resilience and adaptability of illustrators. You know, I think that's something that to be acknowledged, championed, you know, illustrators, I think are more resilient than they give themselves credit for. I think you're absolutely right. And it's, um, brilliant to articulate that we did um we sort of joked about illustration being covid secure um because it, it filled a gap that photography couldn't do right. um and production couldn't do and animation and illustration were able to step into those gaps during that extraordinary time in the beginning when people weren't quite sure what to do yeah. and it really it created opportunities which was fantastic and you're you're right there's an extraordinary resilience and for illustrators and a creativity in being able to inherently navigate and illustrate the world around them, I think gives a, um, a, a generosity and a, I can't find the right words, a, a generosity and a kind of energy to navigating a really difficult time. This episode is sponsored by Skillshare. Skillshare is offering listeners of the Illustration Department podcast a free trial of premium membership. If you're going to take one online class, let it be with the ID. If you're going to take two online classes, take one with Skillshare. They offer fascinating classes on topics including productivity, freelancing and entrepreneurship, creative writing, and more. Members of the illustration department know that I do not like the word perfect. It is a word that does not serve us as artists. Let us agree to replace perfect with progress. So practice makes progress. Whatever goal you have in mind, Advancing toward it is achievable with short lessons, hands-on projects, and classes you can fit within your schedule. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com ID, where you will get a free trial of premium membership. That's one month free at Skillshare.com ID. Now back to my conversation with Ren Rennick. You know, so 2020 has certainly done a number on our collective mental health and yeah. you wrote a piece about the connection between mental health and freelancing, 
you pointed out some pros in freelancing, wearing whatever you want, not dealing with office politics, etc. But you also say, and I quote, there will be days where you literally talk to no one. Income is erratic. And if you don't have imposter syndrome at some point, you are basically unique. Freelancing is beset by triggers that can, over time, erode mental health. I wonder how many illustrators who are listening to this started their illustration journey feeling mentally healthy. Maybe mental illness wasn't ever on their radar, but now, sometime later, they experience ongoing anxiety, depression, disassociative behavior, self-harm, and so on. Um, I mean, how is this, why is this an important issue for you specifically? How can illustrators maintain, or in some cases, reclaim good mental health? Well, I think it's fundamental, isn't it? We're we're talking about health and without, without being healthy in all the ways that we consider that, you can't do great work (laughs) and you can't be, you can't, you can't live the life that you want to live. So it's of absolute fundamental importance. I think it's an, it's a crisis that is not discussed enough. And I think a crisis is the correct word for it. And I think it is a crisis that has got its foundations at a university and graduate level. And it has to be addressed and we're not equipping ourselves either at an education, at the point of education or ongoing through our careers with the tools to do that. And I think being physically and mentally well should be as important as having a business plan. Um, and it, 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 it absolutely should be something that you invest time and energy in to ensure that that you can sustain a career in the same way that you make sure your iPad's working. It, it, it should be that um, simple. Right. I don't think it's unique to illustrators and I don't think it's unique to creative, creative industries, in all honesty. I, I think it's um, something about the modern society. Sure. We, we've moved as a, you know, as a whole global community into a slightly, in the Western world, into a slightly different mental position and we need to be aware of that but we need to address it at a university and a school level and equip people to have the tools to navigate it right yeah i mean i i I talk to a lot of illustrators every day and i i i think it's safe to say you know 60 percent of the time we're talking not about their portfolio or about their watercolor techniques or what brush they're using procreate or whatever we're talking about how they quite literally physically or mentally can't manage to sit in front of a blank piece of paper because of things like imposter syndrome inner naysayer uh self-sabotage like all this all this all these hurdles Mm. that are placed before them there are a lot of reasons why these hurdles are placed before them. Some of it can be very personal, but a lot of it is is industry based. I mean, there's it's like this idea that you have to you know grind to to be a successful illustrator. You have to you know burn the midnight oil. It all sounds very romantic, but it's all incredibly harmful. 
I guess the bottom line is it to each their own. If you're a night owl, be a night owl. If you're not, then don't. But find some balance. And I just don't know why that's not the standard practice or even the standard advice that you hear from anybody. Yeah, I find um, I find it so annoying how people say burn the midnight oil. Don't go to bed at ten. Go to better. bed. Yes. <laughs> Um, that would that would be a much better place to start. But it's also it's not just about um, sitting in front of a blank bit of paper, which it, of course is the starting point. It's about having a confidence in negotiation and managing your small business. As an illustrator, you are a small business, and yeah. you should be able to negotiate each each commission that comes forward confidently. And I'm sure not always get exactly what you want, but you must you must have that confidence in your self and your business to be able to do that and we don't see that enough we've just um scheduled some events which focus exactly on that on kind of recognizing the, the, the what's holding you back inside and confidence because it is that that i think is what every illustrator could be able to inject into themselves and it would be marvelous oh tremendous I mean, it's like an unforced error or something in tennis. They just do it to themselves without any prompting or anything. You'll hear them say, well, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not very good at that or I don't do that well or they're just, they've convinced themselves that it's normal to live a life creatively uh, that includes a great deal of friction and their friction is the norm. And I, I just don't know if that's true and I don't I don't like to believe that it is no um there's one point that you brought up about illustration being there for centuries and it has of course you know mm-hmm. that it, it's almost one of the most important rawest oldest careers if you like yeah um but actually it hasn't because it has changed so dramatically in the recent past with the rise of social media true and it has absolutely shifted the landscape of how an illustrator runs their business and that again shouldn't just be taken for granted it it shouldn't just be something that everyone takes in their stride the landscape has fundamentally changed i think there's there's also the changing role of illustration not just on the business side about how you get work you know there used to be a couple of books books actual physical books that you had to open and hold with your hands that were sent to yeah i know it's crazy that were sent to commissioners right and now of course it's it's a plethora of online and the market is so noisy finding your way of navigating that is a is a real skill i want to let's Bring the focus to to the money part of being a small business. Whose fault is it that illustration fees have stagnated for the past 20, 30, 40 years? Illustrators who accept low fees or commissioners, uh, art buyers, corporations who are actively keeping those fees low? I don't think I can answer that question. But what I can say is to, well, I can't answer it directly. What what we see over and over again is that when illustra- illustrators who work for free devalue their own work, illustrators who lose some jobs because they're not prepared to work for free 
thrive. And I think that's a really important thing to bear in mind. We've we've run a campaign called Price It Right. And the, the kind of basis of Price It Right was that you always quote for a job. So if um, a company comes to you and says, I've got £1,000 and I would like this license, please, mm-hmm. then you can go back to them and say, well, that's really fantastic and I really love the look of doing this. For that license, it would in fact be £3,000. So here is my invoice for £3,000. But in this extraordinary situation, I have chosen to donate £2,000 worth of my time and my skill to to um, meet your budget of £1,000. And that's really important. It's putting the illustrator in control. And it might be, of course, that they don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. But it also means that the commissioner has an invoice that they look back on and say, oh, how much did I pay for that, that job that I did for that illustrator? It was brilliant. Oh, I paid £1,000. Oh, no, wait, I got this extraordinary discount. Gosh, it was actually a much higher price. Um, now, without that, you, c- you carry on eroding the fees down from the £1,000 mark, whereas actually the value was far higher. So with a, if an illustrator can be very clear about what, what the value of a job is, mm-hmm. but then what the financial transaction is, if that is different... And it obviously shouldn't be different. It, it should you should be paid for the value of the job. But in some circumstances, you might want to do something at a reduced rate or pro bono, which you know, is your choice. But you must have that paper trail of the actual value, so that the, that kind of con- that the perception isn't eroded. That's that's pretty brilliant. I don't think I've ever had an illustrator submit an invoice to me when I was an art director for almost 20 years that said something to that effect. And I think, I don't even know, I need time to reflect on how I would react to that. I think, wow, that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean the, the, the pricing thing, I just, this is my perspective. It's my very limited view, but I do tend to see illustrators getting blamed for the fact that fees are so low, not the people who are paying the illustrators. I just think the responsibility is disproportionate. Illustrators are being tasked to do what you're just saying. And other, you know, here here are the negotiation tactics. I share negotiation tactics with illustrators all the time. Um, But, you know, shouldn't that responsibility be more than 51% of it sit on the shoulders of, of corporations and art buyers and art directors, agents, those who can have, who have a bit more pull. Yeah. I I think you're saying something really important and what, what you're saying speaks to the point that without fair fees and fair terms, we will not have a diverse and equitable industry. And that means in real terms, we won't get the talent that sells products. Mm-hmm. So for commissioners not to kind of, you know, chip away and, and try and get the best fee they can and, you know, really save money is really short-sighted because it will, it, it will um, stop the industry growing and it will disproportionately affect illustrators that are currently underrepresented in the industry. That's what our data and our research shows. Mm-hmm. So, it, of course, it, it, it's a 
responsibility that sits on both parts. And of course, the, the people with the budget should be able to, you know, offer the budget that is um, fair and of real value. Yeah. I just see illustrators complaining about getting low fees, and then I see in their bio that they are repped by an agent, to which I then ask no one because I'm at home. Um, <laughs> why, you know, I'll ask my kids and see if maybe they have the answer. But where's what part of the story did the agent play, you know, if any? Why didn't the agent fight back on that? Why are you on Twitter complaining about getting low fees when you have an agent who should be doing that and it's not I, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there but um what would you what would you say to people listening who say well i'm not i'm not business minded that's just not who i am i just want to draw and paint um I, oh my gosh money taxes paperwork marketing strategy oh gosh i mean they are a small business so what do you say to them I have yet to meet an illustrator who went into being an illustrator because they loved negotiating contracts. You know, that <laughs> that's true. But it, it, it is part and parcel of what they do. We ran a um, campaign a year or so ago called Not a Hobby. And that absolutely goes to the heart of what, what this bit of the conversation is. It, it, it's not a hobby. It, it is a career and it's running a business. And it's not something to be scared of because it, it's not rocket science running a business. A little bit every day is what you need to do. And I think that mm -hmm. makes it really manageable. Yep. Um, obviously, That's we've got lots of resources it. at the AOI um, and there are lots of other organizations with great resources as well. Um, and speaking to, to us, to colleagues about what that involves. Um, but I'm a, I, love, I love me a plan. So if you you know can set up at the beginning of the year what you want to achieve and how you're going to achieve it and how you're just going to structure each each working week so you've got a proportion of time that you can spend on the business a proportion of time you can spend on developing your practice and of, and getting work and of course doing the work mm -hmm. that gives you your model and it's not something to be nervous about it might not be your favorite bit but it's ultimately fine yeah you have to do it you just have to do it. You do. There's a way to do it that doesn't, again, put stress on your mental health. You know, there's a way to, there's a way to approach social media without wanting to bang your head against the wall. There's a way to do yeah, these I things and schedule these things and organize these things. Social media is a really separate point, actually, and I think um, it's one thing about running your business and having that that kind of business planning and the financial management and and that side of it and keeping your invoicing and your, all your accounts up to date yeah. there's another bit about social media and self-promotion and i do think that is where we should be far more educative in schools and universities about how to use that as a tool and that you need to use it and be in control of how it affects you mm -hmm. and to be aware that it it, it is a two-way process actually it does kind of come back on you as much as it you're putting into it and we also know that it has an impact it is a really important business tool there's no getting away from it sure. but you need to be really disciplined and strategic in how you use it yeah exactly no three-hour scroll fests you know limit no three-hour scroll fest no rabbit holes to go down oh goodness you know, in both the AOI and the ID bios, 
we use the word support. You say supporting illustrators every stage worldwide. You said it earlier today in our mm -hmm. conversation. We say we support illustrators. I feel like these days illustrators could use all the support they can get. I'm, I'm constantly seeing cover reveals without illustrator credit or seeing briefs from reputable and not so reputable sources in which they offer less than minimum wage for, you know, illustrator fees. What we've been saying, what we've been talking about. Or I'll hear stories in which illustrators are ghosted, disrespected. I mean, there's just like, there are, there's, they, there's a lot. And in honor, if you can follow me here, of England making it into the UEFA finals. Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. Pretend that you are a football coach. Illustrators are the players about to head out and face all sorts of challenges. What would you say in your pep talk to them? <laughs> That's an excellent question. I'm really glad I'm not a football coach. <laughs> um, it, it comes down to this confidence and, and this disjunct between we are in a, a visually led world. Some, at some point in the last decade, maybe decade, maybe 20 years, we've shifted from being a text-based world to a visually-based world. And illustrators own that. Now is the moment for visual creators and especially illustrators. It is so valuable in so many different ways. Illustrators have this extraordinary breadth that they can move from moving image, GIFs, animation, editorial, advertising. It's just got this rich range of opportunity and it is there for the taking, I think. And it's there to take us as societies forward. That's an extraordinary position to be in. And don't lose sight of how each individual illustrator is part of a bigger picture literally building and navigating our world good speech coach and also do an invoice <laughs> <laughs> to learn more about ren and the aoi visit theaoi.com if you enjoyed our conversation please share it with your friends subscribe to the podcast and provide a positive rating and review become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash illustration d-e-p-t in return, you'll receive our soft enamel pin, a reusable discount code for 10% off, and access to patron-only episodes we're calling Extra Credit. This podcast is produced by the Illustration Department, a global leader in online education for illustrators. Visit us at illustrationdept.com for class offerings, testimonials, the alumni showcase, the podcast show notes, our forum, the bookshop, and more. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.